Oh, I'm Dusty. And I'm Amy. And everything we do, we, we do, do together. together. <laughs> Dusty and I both work, and we have two young boys who are in school. And we just know that if you do life alone, it can be very, it can be very lonely, um, even though we have each other. There, there was times we felt lonely, because it can be difficult at times when you don't have any family members around. Different seasons of our life. Different when we, seasons. When we didn't get connected, we can see a complete difference in just our lives and how we lived. Um, but I do remember coming the first time and um, coming to service and Dusty being like, this is where we're going to go to church. This feels like home. This is where we belong. Um, without the church, I think um, we wouldn't have the community that we have built. Um, and a lot of the love and joy that we experience um, here with our kids, um, getting to see them grow up here. The, the children's staff just treats our, our kids like they're their own kids, like family. It, it's second time they give them a hug, they say, you know, give them high fives, they know them by name. So every time that they come to the Sunday school, they're excited to be here. Um, we need the community and the, and the accountability um, and just the love that we experience here. We, we need that in our lives every day. We wouldn't be as strong foundationally as we are if we didn't have the church and the community in the church and our people in our small group. I'm not sure where we would be without First Methodist Mansfield. I always thought that people that tithed were older or made a certain amount of money or were really wealthy and so I kind of always thought well we're giving what we can give yeah. even though we hadn't really looked into what we really could give. And once we kind of had that conversation about wanting to take over our personal finances, uh, we realized the first thing we should do off the top of our, of our, of our income, the first thing we should do was just give 10%. Um, I'm sure there's other people that are like us that are young um, and feel like they're too young to be tithing or don't make enough money or for whatever reason feel that it's not the right time, but also can feel this calling from God that this is what, this is, should be their response to everything that they have received from God and from the church. Give yourself time to, to plan about it, and look at your finances, and um, to take that step. We, we kind of know and see where our money's going. Just to see the progress that the church is doing, the, the, the outreach that it has in the community, and with, with other kids, and just the growth of the church. So we know that our money that we're giving to the church is being used in a very valuable way. Everything we do. Everything we do. Everything we do. We do together. Everything we do. <laughs> Are we, we supposed to say one? the other thing? Everything we do. I'm we Randall do. and I'm Linda, and everything we do, we do together. <laughs> everything we do, we do together. Together. Okay. <laughs> Can we do that again? Everything we do, we do together. 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 Well, it is a joy to welcome you today, uh, those here at our 930 Cornerstone service. Uh, uh, welcome to those who are at the Well and the Well Cafe today. If we have not met, uh, my name is David and I serve as the senior pastor here. Uh, appreciate the Goldman family sharing with us and the other families that have shared in the, in the weeks leading up to today. I want you to know that uh, we were very intentional in seeking to uh, have families that represent all the demographics of our church uh, because we are a church uh, uh, that is uh, diverse in terms of, uh, of ages, but uh, if you've seen Dusty before you, uh, and you, you, you recognize him because of the, the beard that he usually has, uh, and then you see the video of that baby face, Dustin, uh, I just want you to know that I didn't ask him to shave that for that so that he would appear younger to you. So that was his own decision to, in fact, I saw him the day after he filmed it and I was like, who are you? I, I didn't even recognize him, but I uh, appreciate their uh, 
testimony, their witness to you and all those uh, who have shared with you. We come today to the end of a journey that we have been sharing together. Uh, we have been focused on that word together, uh, the idea that everything that we do, we do together. And so as we've looked to the future and we've looked at uh, what we believe is the next step of faith that, uh, that God is calling us to, to take together, uh, we, we've talked about building together and working together and growing together and leading together. And today we talk about committing together. We, we've spent intentional time ensuring that you as a congregation know what that next step is, uh, have an awareness of the work that our building planning team has done to address our current needs and our future needs uh, and how we plan to not only enhance but to expand our ministry campus uh, for, uh, for the current day but also for, for, for decades to come. Uh, and again, today is the day that we, we come to, uh, to, to commit to this, uh, to this project and to uh, this next step in our future. And, and I want to share three things with you today. The first thing is I want to answer a question that you may not be asking yet, but I know that you will, which is the question, what's next? What do we do now? What's next? The second thing is I want to tell you very clearly what my goal is uh, for, for today and what I want to share with you. And then, uh, of course, I hope I, the third thing would be to actually accomplish that goal. So let's start with the question of what's next. Uh, the first thing, the first next step, we'll walk through several of these, uh, but the first next step is, is today we are going to come to the altar. Here in our sanctuary and our other worship spaces, the chapel and upstairs, uh, all those who call First Methodist home, uh, you're going to be invited to come to the altar uh, to share uh, your commitment card, uh, what you have prayerfully considered in terms of your financial commitment you can make to this project over the course of the next three years. We come to the altar for a very specific reason because for thousands of years this is what people of faith have done. We come to the altar to commit ourselves to God, to reaffirm our commitment to God, to give our thanks and praise to God, to mark God's faithfulness to us and, uh, and share that together. And so we're going to come to the altar at the conclusion of our message today. That's the first next step is to, is to come here and to make our commitment together. Second thing is we're going to have Thanksgiving. Hopefully that's not new news for you. Uh, that's this Thursday. If you haven't planned, I bet there's turkeys on sale at Kroger. But Thursday is Thanksgiving, and that's, that's an important connection uh, that we, as we commit to our future, we're also this week going to intentionally take time with family and friends to say thank you, God. Then we're going to celebrate Christmas, uh, and, and one of the things that every pastor knows is that within your congregation, there is no additional mental space for anything outside of Christmas. It, is, it dominates all of our thoughts uh, because we love Christmas, uh, and, and we love sharing Christmas together as a church. We're looking forward to the final month of this year, and we're looking forward to the beginning of a new year, a year that we will leave will be a, 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 a significant, uh, incredible year in the life of this church. And then from January through about late March, there's going to be several things that are happening. First, in early January, we're going to give you an initial update on the results of our campaign. And the reason we're going to do it at that time is because we know commitments will continue to be made over the course of these last weeks of the year. Uh, and we feel like that's the best time to share with you what the results of those are. Also during that time span, our building planning team will continue to work with our architect to finalize every aspect of that design. 
uh, as well as to select a general contractor to recommend to the congregation uh, and with that general contractor to uh, also share with our congregation the final bid uh, for what this project will cost. Now, just a quick aside uh, that I think you will find encouraging. This week, uh, we received the initial bids from five different contractors on this project. And this is the moment, if you've built anything in your life, if you've built a house, if you've built something in, in relationship to your job, if you've put a gazebo or a pool in your backyard, if you've asked someone to build you a birdhouse, this is the moment when you think, oh no, the budget's gonna explode. It's gonna cost so much more than they said it was going to be. But but I'm pleased to tell you that everything was under budget uh, as of Monday. And so this is the moment where uh, someone should say amen. Someone in the well, in the well cafe should say hallelujah, uh, amen. What, what great news uh, as, we, as we move forward. And then the final next step will be this. You might think of it as a family meeting. In our context, we call it a church conference. Uh, first weekend in May is what we have set aside for that gathering. At that gathering, uh, what you will have is the results of this campaign. Uh, you'll have the final uh, cost of what that project will be. And then together as a congregation, we will make the decision on whether we are ready to break ground and to build the, this, uh, pursue this next step uh, of faith that we believe God is calling us to pursue together. I, I want you to hear all of that because I want you to have clear expectations of, uh, of what is ahead. Uh, but I also want you to hear that as, a, uh, as an expression of a church that deliberately lives out, uh, believes in, and practices this idea that everything that we do, we do together. And we will process through that together. So on this special day, as we come together, um, the best way for me to express to you what my goal is, is to tell you first uh, what my goal is not. My goal is not that at the end of this message, as you make your commitment, my goal is not that you would add a zero to whatever number you would write on that card. Now, if you do, that's totally fine. We will accept that, but that's not the goal. Uh, in fact, uh, at our earlier service, which is a traditional service, and uh, our, our service that we have at 11 o'clock is also a traditional service. If you ever wander in at the wrong time at Daylight Savings, you see something very different from uh, the context you're in uh, right now. We wear robes and stoles, and we wear different colors uh, according to the season of the year. This is technically, actually, the liturgical color for today. And I walked in and I said, Jim, we're not going to wear green today. I don't want anyone to think that this is some sort of subtle hint as we come to Commitment Sunday. We are going to break the liturgical rules. We're not going to wear green today. Uh, we're instead going to wear white today. Now, white is what we wear every Communion Sunday. Uh, white is uh, a liturgical color that essentially represents a sacred act. And so we not only chose not to wear green to, uh, to avoid that, that connotation, but also uh, because we want our congregation to understand this is a sacred act. So, my, so, so here's the goal. Uh, my goal is that uh, as you make your commitment today, uh, I want you to understand what this moment really means. I want you to understand the magnitude of it. I want you to understand the significance of what we do as we commit together to the future. 
And, and so with that in mind, hear these words of Scripture. At the end of, the, uh, of Joshua's life, uh, he did what Moses had done before him. He, he challenges the people of Israel recognizing that, that again, uh, his life was temporary. It wasn't going to go on forever. He seeks to challenge them, remind them what their story is all about, and to remind them that the decisions they make in their future, they really matter. And so he says to them, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or in the land of the Amorites in this land in which you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord." In Psalm 8, David is reflecting on the this idea of the temporary existence of our lives. And what he says is, when I look at the heavens, the, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. And yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and you have crowned him with glory and with honor. Psalm 39, O Lord, Make me know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Psalm 90, teach us to number our days, Lord, so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In other words, Lord, help me to know the limits of my life so that I don't make the mistake of wasting my life. The grass withers, the flowers fade, Isaiah 48, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And then there's this picture that the writer of Hebrews paints. Uh, it's immediately following a, a, a retelling of the story of so many who had gone before the original recipients of these words. Uh, he speaks about the faith of Abraham. He, he speaks about the faith of all the mothers and fathers in faith uh, whose lives uh, ha have been lived with such faithfulness that they now find themselves at a place where it's their turn to continue the story. And after recounting all of those, of those stories, we, we get to chapter 12, and, and, and this is the image that, that the writer shares there. Uh, he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. So you, you weave all that together. You, you look Old Testament and new. You consider that these are words written over the course of thousands of years. And you begin to find this, this insight, this, this awareness that your life is exceedingly short. And yet it is also incredibly significant. It's always both of those things at the same time. It is exceedingly short and it is incredibly significant. 
And so as you hear those words of scripture and you think about that insight about this human existence that we share together, I am grateful today uh, to share a word with you from a dear friend of mine and a dear friend of yours. Let's watch this video. You know, when Ron and I think about First Methodist Mansfield, we're just always so proud of you, so proud of what you've done and are doing, where you're going, who you are. It makes us always feel good to even been a small part for a few years. Even better to think about the part that, uh, that is coming in the future and what's happening now in the Together campaign. Our chance to make a commitment to that because we're doing that. We believe in this church. Our tie is still coming here. We believe in what, what you're doing and where you're going. And we just wanted to stay apart. That's our way of doing it, not only by uh, our giving, but also we, we could uh, get to attend on occasion. We saw our grandson who, who sang uh, with, a, with a group for Veterans Day Sunday, occasionally acolytes. Uh, so we like being a part. That's one way we could do that. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of it in the, in the past and even on into the future. Let me pray for you if I can. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for First Methodist Mansfield, for Pastor David, for those who lead this church, those who serve and give and attend. God, may this be a great season for us, not only uh, where we come from, but where we're going to go. May you lead that, God, to great success for your kingdom's sake and growth and outreach, life and mission. Also, this building is about to come. Our prayers in Jesus' name, amen. In 2013, uh, Pastor Mike wandered down to my office and said, do you have a minute? Because uh, this is just what Mike would often do. We just, uh, he would just pop in. You never knew what the topic would be or when he would show up. Uh, but he said, I have something I want to share with you. Uh, he said, uh, I want to share with you a plan uh, that I have um, uh, developed in partnership with our bishop for how we uh, are going to have a leadership transition here in our church. And in the 12 to 18 months leading up to that, uh, Mike and I had talked about that briefly. And so I had an understanding that there was something that was stirring in his soul, but I had no idea necessarily when the conversation might happen. And so that, that day that did take me uh, a bit by surprise. And, but he laid that out for me, and uh, a plan that was laid out in such a way that it was going to be a three-year process of preparation, meaning that in January of 2016, Mike was going to share with the con congregation that he was going to be stepping into a different role here at our church and that I would be stepping into the role of the senior pastor. And it was about a year later where Mike again just popped into my office, and he said, do you have a minute to talk? And I said, yes, and he said... Um, I've been thinking about and praying about this plan, and I don't think we need to wait three years. Um, I think we need to move it up a year. And I've talked with a bishop, and he has given his blessing, and so I just need to ask you, is that okay with you? And my response was, Mike, I promised you that I would be ready, and so if that's what you think needs to happen, then yes, I'm, I will be ready. And so in January of 2015, we, uh, we, we made that transition. Uh, but that day, uh, he not only told me about the change, he also told me why. And, and the reason why is not what you might have expected uh, it to be. It wasn't because Mike was tired. It wasn't because he had lost any ounce of passion for uh, the work that he was doing. It, it wasn't any of those reasons that you might immediately assume. It was because as we had spent time 
processing and talking through what transition would look like and, and how we could do that well. The, the image uh, that was the kind of the primary image for us was, uh, was the idea of a runner uh, coming to the end of their leg of the race. And, the, and that the idea that, that when transition happened, when, when the transfer of the baton happened, uh, one person, the, the, the runner finishing his leg of the race, has to very clearly place the baton into the hand of the person who is ready to begin their leg of the race. And that person has to clearly grab hold of the baton so that they can begin their part of the race. And while that part of it probably makes sense to you, the, the thing that was most important for us as we considered what that looked like for the congregation is the idea that even with the greatest athletes in the world, whenever that baton is passed, all the great athletes, all of them have to, for at least a moment, have to slow down. The, the, the speed has to diminish a bit so that that transfer can clearly be made. Because again, it, regardless of how exceptional those athletes might be in any race of that nature, a failure at that moment, if the baton is dropped, the race is essentially over. And so what he shared with me is, he said, as I've, I've prayed about this, uh, I don't think we can wait another year. And I don't want to waste another year. Because Mike knew what was next. Mike had an understanding of the next step of faith that this church needed to take. And Mike, out of his own prayer time and uh, his own conviction, uh, he felt led to say that I'm not the leader to, to take the church through that next step. And you need the time to begin the work of, of preparing and moving towards the congregation taking that next step. Now, over the course of this summer, as we met with uh, groups of people and shared some uh, of the initial designs and asked for feedback, and I shared that story several times. And at the end of it, I found myself in my head thinking, why did I share that story? Why did I feel compelled to... Uh, to, to share that with this group of people, which, by the way, is the absolute worst feeling you can have as a communicator or as a preacher. You get to the end of the illustration of the story, and in your head as you're wrapping up, you're thinking, I have no idea why I'm telling this story. I have no idea what point they are uh, supposed to uh, have uh, understood from this, and I have no point uh, understanding what point they may be taking from this. I didn't really understand why I was sharing the story, but, and yet I, I felt compelled to share it. And it really wasn't until a few weeks ago that, that I began to understand why that was, that was stirring in my soul, why I felt like it was so important to share then and why I feel like on this day as we prepare to commit to the future, why I think it's important for you to hear the, uh, that story this day. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Mike did what Mike typically does, which is he just popped into the office uh, just for a chat and we talked about the work that he is doing and, and his role uh, consulting and helping bless churches all across the Central Texas Conference and uh, we did uh, talked a little bit about where we were in the, uh, in, in the campaign and how things were going all those kinds of things and, and then he said, he said well I just stopped by to you know see how you were doing 
which was code, by the way, pastor to pastor of, you know, I want to make sure you're not going crazy. I, I want to make sure uh, that, that uh, you know, I know, I've been there before. I know you're exhausted. I know uh, you've prayed more in these last three months than you've ever prayed in your life. All those things being true, by the way. He just wanted to check on me. And so we had a conversation about that. And, and then before he left, I said, will you pray for me? And he said, yes, and, and he did. And then in, in the weeks uh, since, uh, we've exchanged a few text messages. And it, and it wasn't until I got, I got one particular one from, from Mike and a, and a particular word that he shared uh, where it, I really began to understand why I think this story is so important. Mike said this, it is a great comfort to know God birthed the church and the church belongs to him. It is a great comfort to know that God birthed the church and the church belongs to him. And, and so here's why I want you to hear that story today. I, I want you to know that that story is, is not a story about Mike Ramsdale, though I would really want it to be because of how I feel about him. And that story isn't a story about David Alexander, and it's not even a story about the First United Methodist Church of Mansfield. It's not even a story about you. That's a story about God. And that's a story about how God leads the church. That's a story about a God who understands that each of our lives are incredibly short, and yet they are deeply significant. Uh, that's an understanding, uh, that's a story that is about uh, a, a decision made in 2014 with an understanding of what it would mean for what we are doing right now in 2018. But it's more than that. It's, it's a story about God, God's leadership and care of the church, God's understanding that throughout all of Christian history in every local church, across all continents and in all denominations, the way in which the church continues to thrive and grow is through the work and lives of men and women of faith who run their race well. And then as they come to the end of that race, they intentionally place the baton in the hand of another who is then ready to begin their leg of the race. And so as we come for a time of commitment, as you come to the altars today, just as we have talked about that a building is about so much more than a building, I want you to understand the significance of this moment. I'll express it to you just one more way. I want to show you a picture that if you were here last weekend, you saw this in in the video uh, of what Barbara and Lou and Barry shared with us. This is a picture of our church in 1945. And one of the observations that I would make for you about this picture is I don't know anyone in this picture. I don't know their names. I don't know their stories. I don't know what their lives involved. I don't know their celebrations and I don't know their sorrows. I don't know the moments in their life where they find themselves lost and they came to the church to, to be found again. I don't know the sorrow they experienced, the loss that they experienced. I don't know how they uh, rallied together around one another, caring for one another, investing in one another. I can't describe for you the way in which God changed their life. 
but I know he did. I know he did because the only reason the baton is in my hand and the only reason there is a baton in your hand is because they were faithful to pass it on. Maybe to some of you, maybe to someone else who ran their leg of the race and then put the baton in your hand so that your fresh legs could then begin the race that God had called you to run. So as you come, I want you to understand that what you bring is more than numbers on a page. It's more than the monetary value of what those numbers represent. It's a commitment that we make to God. It's a commitment to a vision that absolutely none of us are guaranteed to see come to fruition. But it's an expression of our solemn promise and vow to run our race well, to finish our race, and at that end to be looking for the one who is ready to receive the baton and to continue the work of building God's kingdom. That's the magnitude of this moment. That is the significance of this sacrifice. It's more than just a, just a commitment that we make together to make a building a reality. It's about an ongoing story that we are given the honor to be a part of in our exceedingly short but incredibly significant lives. And I'll tell you one of the reasons that I know that with absolute uncertainty is because on January 11th, 2015, when I kneeled here and Mike prayed for me, and then I stood up and in the microphone, he said, now I'm going to hug you and this is the one and only hug you're ever going to get. <laughs> My first thought was not what you may have imagined it would be. My first thought was, Lord, order my days and give me the chance to one day do what someone else has done for me. That's what we do today as we commit together to God's future. Let's pray. Loving God, so many prayers have been prayed not only in recent months and recent years for the success of this campaign and, and for you, Lord, to inspire the hearts of your people to, to make this a reality, but so many prayers, Lord, have been spoken across generations and the lives of this church family, prayers prayed by those who found themselves at a place of great desperation, a moment where they experienced hopelessness. And your spirit, Lord, has worked in their lives, sowing seeds of grace, encouraging them to trust in you and nurturing in them the faith to continue to run, to one day pass on the baton. We thank you, Lord, for all those prayers 
And we thank you, Lord, today for the opportunity we have together today to be an answer to some of those prayers. And so as we come to this altar, Lord, I pray your blessing on each and every person on what you are doing in their life and what you will do in their future. But also, Lord, what you will do in a future that is long beyond our own years to build your kingdom and to bless your church. And all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.